have a sneaking suspicion that Tal Bachman doesn't actually know what the word high means. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Decomposition Podcast, where we hyperanalyze all of your favorite terrible songs. My name is Brad, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Katie. Katie, how are you doing tonight? I'm great. I'm You're... wondering what you meant by he doesn't know what high means. What the word high means. So so we're capping off <laughs> a garbage day and a garbage week, huh? This, uh... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I didn't have a garbage week, but today's pretty garbagey. Today it's horrible like, outside. Nor'easter grossness. All I can hear is the wind. Yeah, outside. we really had to like psych ourselves up to even get this done because I think it's one of those days where the weather is so bad, you just don't want to do anything. I have been in my pajamas since about four o'clock this afternoon. And I'll be honest, that was about half an hour later than I expected <laughs> to have my pajamas on. Yeah. When I came home and got in my PJs at about 4.15, I was thinking to myself, I'm ready to be in these until tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. And maybe Sunday too. Who knows? Yeah. Well, we do have to go out to watch the Carolina Duke basketball game. Life which, is hard. By the time by the time this airs, we will have the results to that, good, bad, or otherwise. So hopefully we'll have had a good Saturday night. Yeah, that's right. So year two, huh? Yeah, here we are. Year, year two. two. Uh, this is the, our first episode of our second year of podcastery. Yes, I was going to say podcastery as well. Very nicely done. I was good, making up the same words as you. Good call. Excellent fake words. And it's kind of appropriate that we're starting with this song because this is the song that started it all. This is the song that started it all for us. This is the song that inspired us to start a podcast in the first place. Mm-hmm. It's certainly not the worst song we've ever done. No, now that we're getting back to it, I was looking at the lyrics and I was like... Oh, this isn't nearly as bad as most of the songs we've done. This song is inspirational. This song has inadvertently brought an awful lot of joy to our lives. Absolutely. Um, Not because of the song itself, but because of what has snowballed due to this song. Yeah, we've had a lot of car rides Yeah, doing that falsetto, she's so hi yeah. very loudly. Or other words that sound like that. We'll get into it. We'll um, get into all the good words. So I distinctly remember listening to this song in like a parking lot in the car and talking about how bad it was and then just spitballing that into the idea to have the podcast in the first place. Do you know the first time I remember having that conversation, we were driving from Baltimore to Rehoboth Beach, Delaware yeah. Okay. for, what's that holiday called? Fourth of, of July. July. Yeah, for Fourth of July weekend. And this came on some mix CD that you had or a Pandora it was, station. It was definitely not a CD that okay. I had. <laughs> then I guess it came out of Pandora Station, and we were howling, she's so high, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I started to talk about my problems with the chorus. Right. And that was the first time I really remember us saying, we should do this all the time. Yeah. So the song, She's So High, uh, released in 1999, uh, written and recorded by Talmadge Charles Robert Bachman. His name is Talmadge? T-A-L-M-A-G-E. No. Yeah. No, no. Yes, yes. His father's name is Randy. Yes, correct. And his name is Talmadge? Talmadge. Talmadge Charles Robert Bachman. 
Just Tal. It might be Talmage. Might be Talmage. Do you know where that name came from? No, not at all. Ugh. Not a clue. I, I really wish we knew. Zero idea where uh, that came from, but I can understand why he shortened it to Tal. Yes. So this song, his only hit mm-hmm. in America, at least, he had a couple minor hits in Canada where he's from. Yep. I believe he's from Winnipeg. Reached number 14 on the Billboard Hot 100, number one on the Adult Top 40, number six on the Top 40 Mainstream. This came off of his self titled album. Tal Bachman. And I don't know, have you ever liked this song? I actually really like this song. Really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, like legit? Like legit, really like it. And not like just it. because you can sing that falsetto, she's so high, high. No, that's not, I just like it. I yeah. know that it, I, I don't even know that it's not good now. I'm torn about it. Then I was thinking about the lyrics, which I used to think were... Uh, troublesome and I still have a problem with the chorus but I don't know I don't know despite all the thoughts I have about the song I still like it can I give you a little backstory on this song for me like a little a little look into the Brad Whitley's backstory here yeah um so when I was in high school and a freshman in college I was a sales rep for this company called Aware Records and Aware had been putting out a bunch of like independent artists. They had done things like uh, Matchbox 20, before they were Matchbox sure. 20, this band called Tabitha's Secret that they were. Uh, Hootie and the Blowfish was on there. Guster, John Mayer, Matt Nathanson. You got to say the Push Stars, right? Absolutely the Push Stars. One of my faves. I didn't know if that would resonate with a lot of people. but Who cares? Who cares? We love Chris Trapper and the Push Stars. I'm putting it out there. Just do it to it. And one of the things they did was they would occasionally, they would send out albums to reps that they either had distribution deals or they had produced for the artist. Okay. And so one day I receive in the mail six copies of Tal- Talmadge Charles Robert Bachman's <laughs> self-titled CD. <laughs> well, it's not titled Talmadge. Tal- Talmadge? Tal- Tal- Talmadge? Talmage? T-A-L-M-A-G-E. Talmage. Talmage? <laughs> It's just uh, a tall lady named Margaret. Tall Madge. I think that's where the name came from, yeah. Yeah. As a baby, he was very tall. He was a tall lady named Margaret. They named him Tall Madge. Sure. Um, so anyway, so I get six copies of this CD in the mail, and the intent is that I sell them to other people. Okay. Uh, so I opened up one and kept it for myself, and I listened to about eight seconds of every song and just thought it was horrendous it was so boring and there was nothing worth sticking through for oh, so that makes me sad by the time i moved out i had to throw out five copies <gasps> of talmage robert charles charles uh, bachman's self-titled cd who knew you probably could have sold me one well, if you were in North Carolina at the time, maybe I could have, but... Did you get those in North Carolina? You didn't get them in New Jersey? Correct. Ah, uh, okay. I was I was a, a freshman. I would have just moved down to North Carolina on my way to college gotcha. at that point. So this song was a huge hit. It was everywhere. You could not get away from this song. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think it's drivelly garbage. I it's, like it. The reason I say that Tal Bachman doesn't know what the word high means is because I always think she's so high is she's on a whole lot of drugs. Oh, but it's not just she's so high, it's she's so high above me. I mean, I get I get it. I know you get I it. I get it. I'm not a big dumb dummy, but <laughs> uh, but I like to make that joke. 
you think it would be more interesting if she was so high on drugs. Yeah. Uh, based on the video, she might be super high on drugs. The video's insane. The video's insane, and we will definitely get into that. Do you know that when Tal Bachman wrote this song, he would not have been likely to have been so high yi yi Correct. Okay, then yes. I don't want to steal your fact. Uh, I have facts about that. <laughs> don't steal my facts. That's right. Uh, Hashtag stolen facts. That's right. Can I ask you to read us the chorus here? Sure. This is the part of the song that I... Well, I've got problems. Let's be clear. Yeah. The song is not objectively that good. Right. There are problems with the lyrics, but I like it anyway. That's fine. So to This answer, has happened before. This will happen again. Mm-hmm. We all have them. Terrible songs that we love. Right. So to, to answer... Teresa's question from weeks ago, like, yes, a song can be problematic and you can still like it. Right. But my liking of it doesn't erase the problems with the song. Not at all. All right. So let's get into it. Let's get into this. Because she's so high, high above me. She's so lovely. She's so high like Cleopatra, Joan of Arc, or Aphrodite. I can't remember how the ooh-ooh-ooh-ooh's go. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. She's so high. I had this on CD. High above me. So why don't you, why don't you give me your thoughts before I before I dive into mine? You know, I think the first part of the chorus is fine. When we get to verse one, it'll all fit together really nicely. But I've always had a problem with the line, she's so high, like Cleopatra, Joan of Arc, or Aphrodite, because it's exactly. a, one of these things are not like the I other I was going to say that exact same thing. Yeah, yeah, way to be on the same page. That's the issue with the chorus. The rest of the chorus is nothing to it. You sure. know, it's just a hook, really. The rest of the chorus is basically just the same words repeated over and over again. That's the only right. real, like, original standout line there. I would, I would like to, in the future, get Teresa's take on this as a history teacher. Okay. My take as a... English teacher? Literary teacher is not enough for you? Well, you're... Yeah. I see. I see how it is. You're exactly right. I need to be validated. Let's just call Teresa right you're, now. No, let's not. She's probably busy. Your uh, opinions are null and void. Oh, no. You said it, not me. You okay. said it, so... So I take it back. Yeah. Let's forget about um, that. Cleopatra and Joan of Arc, written, documented figures in history. Right. Very important women who existed who we know existed, who definitely have existed upon this earth. And then you come to Aphrodite, which is how... He says in such a weird voice. Such a weird way. And that's not his Canadian accent. That's just... That is a stylistic choice. Yes. Aphrodite. Uh, So good. Now, in just about any other love song, I would appreciate the use of the character Aphrodite. We're going to disagree. Okay. Go on. Okay. Wasn't she the goddess of love? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. She is. But I need to know more about her in order to appreciate her. Well, no, I want to know why you would find her okay in any other love song. And then I'm going to tell you why I don't find her okay. Yeah. That's what I'm assuming. Okay. Is it's going to be because of some shady shit she did. Yeah. Totally. In in Greek myth. Yeah. Okay. Well, I I don't have that much (laughs) Greek myth in my back pocket to really back that up. At the same time, like. Cleopatra and Joan of Arc probably did some shady shit at one point also. Probably. We need Teresa for that. We need Teresa. This is what I'm saying. (laughs) I need to get her opinion on this nonsense. 
Your opinion is not good enough for me. And I do need the validation of our friend Teresa. You know, Teresa's like celebrating as she listens to you say that. But yeah, so the fact that she's a mythological creature or mythological being, I should say, not creature. Sure. Versus two historical women. That's really like that doesn't jibe in this context. It's like Talbachman just came up short on important women. Like couldn't think of a third real woman. Couldn't be bothered to do research. Try harder. Yeah, exactly. That's Um, your thing now. You're making that your thing. It's my thing. Yeah. Um, So Cleopatra and Joan of Arc are alike in two ways. Both, they're both real women, but they're, as I said, both women who are worthy of praise. Yeah. I mean, I don't know their full historical, you know, biographical background, but, they come up over and over and over again in references to women who are honorable in some way, who sure. are accomplished, who are inspirational in Can some I way. Can I tell you about Cleopatra a little bit? Sure. She was a Ptolemaic emperor of Egypt back mm-hmm. when it was still part of the Greek Empire before yep. being conquered by the Romans. So she was the last of the Ptolemaic rulers cool. of the Greek Empire. That is pretty cool. It you want to hear about cool. Joan of Arc? Yeah. She was a crazy lady who heard voices. <laughs> yeah, that's so, true. She was a fighter. Nobody uh, nobody was really in love with Joan of Arc. No. The, and so that's another interesting inclusion to make in this song. But she's at least touted as both courageous right. and crazy. Oh, yeah. Aphrodite in Greek mythology yes. is a nightmare. Okay. She is the goddess of love. You're absolutely right. But it's really her son, Cupid, who does more good for love, although his behavior is questionable or sometimes. Eros, if you feel like following. If you're the, feeling Greek. Yeah. But Aphrodite basically is jealous and manipulative. She hates other women in story after story. She does horrible things to them. In the myth of Cupid and Psyche, her son, Cupid, falls in love with a beautiful mortal named Psyche. And it's basically the precursor of Snow White, who's the fairest of them all. Aphrodite, even before Cupid falls in love with Psyche, wants Psyche to be miserable just because she's so horrible. She sends Cupid to punish her. Cupid falls in love with her. And then it's like this whole rigmarole of making psyche think that she uh, is going to have to marry a serpent monster and then at the end of the story after psyche has kind of had a little tiff with cupid she's trying to win him back and aphrodite's making her do all of these things that are basically meant to have her die yeah um and of course because it's a love myth psyche gets out of it and, and she becomes immortal and she and cupid are happily ever after soulmates but aphrodite in the story is like your classic evil queen evil stepmother archetype she's uh she's maleficent she's maleficent yeah. absolutely she's all of those fairy tale women wrapped up into one she is the inspiration for those fairy tale women and that's just one example of a story where she's a nightmare so she doesn't fit in this for me right in two ways she's both fictional sorry greek religion i don't know yeah i don't um, mean to offend anybody's religious if beliefs anybody there, is, but Still following the, Greek gods. the classical Greek gods. You do you. Um, <laughs> but she is both a deity. But your god a is a nightmare. <laughs> and she's a nightmare. I mean, yeah. she's horrible. There's nothing honorable about the character of Aphrodite in Greek mythology. Yeah. So, Tal Bachman, I appreciate your use of illusion or your attempted use of illusion, but it falls short. Right. Do a little research. Next That's time. right. That's next right. time you have a hit. A garbage, garbage hit. I don't think it's that garbagey, though. Uh, I don't know. I think, you know what? Part of it just, like, makes me want to gag. I 
like I think, to sing I think, along to it. I think part of this song is just so like syrupy sweet that as a diabetic, I am offended. Okay. So it actually I, yeah. makes you hyperglycemic. Exactly. So, um, should we look at the first verse? Yeah. Can I just rattle off those four lines real quick? I would love you to. She's blood, flesh, and bone. No tux or silicone. She's touch, smell, sight, taste, and sound. He says that in a real creepy way. Sings that in a real creepy Can way. Can you right? do it? She's touch, smell, sight, taste, and sound. That is creepy. Um, he does that. <laughs> I'm going to read the next two lines before I get into it. But somehow I can't believe that anything should happen. I know where I belong and nothing's going to happen. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Tall Bachman. Talmadge Charles Robert Bachman has such a weird like affect mm-hmm. when he sings. Uh, at times he does like a little like muted whisper singing that she's touch smell sight taste and sound it that's that's creepy as hell and then later on in the song he gets into his well, should i even bother he goes full billy corgan there it's it crazy is insanesies and then he says anything should happen ha, ha, so much ha. it's very breathy it There's is a lot of breathy. breathing yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that gets a little personal. Yeah, a I little, think it gets a little personal. A little, a little intimate. Erotic. <laughs> oh, don't say erotic. Back, back in that to voice. the uh, the uh, <laughs> Roman son of Venus, right mm-hmm. there, getting straight aphroditical. Oh, that's a nice etymological reference there. Erotic eros. That's Thanks correct. Just like weaving that in so casually. You got. You smarty pants. I'm a smarty pants. Um, so this verse, the first line is fine, even though I don't care for the part that says no tux or silicone. Agreed. Every once in a while, a songwriter will throw the word like silicone into a song. It's always negative, first of all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just it's one of those words that I just don't think it works when it's sung. OK, uh, there's there's no real problem with the word itself, but it just doesn't fit. I don't like the judginess of that part of the line. Right. You know, um, as if to say that a woman who has had a little tuck or who has a little silicone is not a real woman anymore. I just, I don't like the judginess of that. If I can get back to the push stars, uh, Mm -hmm. there are two songs I can think of by arguably my favorite band on the planet. Oh, no. Yeah. Two different songs where he references plastic surgery in a negative context. Uh, in the song, I'm a fool and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, he refers to women of L.A. as silicone angels. Okay. Um, At least they're still angels. He's talking about like uh, not wanting to be in L.A. Uh. <laughs> so, uh, And then in the song, Boston Girl. Uh, yes. He, he says he's kissing with a girl and her implant burst. And <laughs> that's that's, a, that's funny a, though. That's a girl he doesn't want to be with. You know what? Chris Trevor gets all the passes. I I I always laugh at that line in um in Boston Girl. Yeah, uh, you and a lot of other people. Yeah, but it, these well, are. Hey, it's not explicitly saying that silicone is bad. It's yeah, saying that it was a funny moment or an unpleasant moment when her implant burst. That's true. Maybe he's just saying that's not what I'm looking for in a right. lady. Nevertheless, I don't like that in verse. I'm gonna go ahead and just continue to defend. Chris Trapper, though, sure. and say that making the claim that 
something isn't your cup of tea is different than making the claim that something isn't real. That's true. And the inference here, the suggestion here is that she's a woman with tux or silicone isn't real. Right. Right. Because it's compared to she's blood and flesh and bone and not these other things. Okay. So, I mean, that's fine if he wants a woman who has no tux or silicone, but I don't like the implication that that other woman isn't a real gotcha. woman. Gotcha. Now, the next line in there it is so silly. Is so silly. She's touch, smell, sight, taste, and sound. She's all the senses. Yeah, but like everybody's all the senses. Exactly. I mean, that's that's a part of what what you do. You know. Yeah. She is not sight. She is not touch. She can touch and she can see. She has touch, I, smell, sight, taste, and sound. Yeah, I think those are just filler syllables that he thought sounded good together and I find unbearable. I think he thought it was a way of saying she's all-encompassing. Like, for him, she is everything. She appeals to all of his senses. She makes up his entire sensory world. It might be a little bit of a lame thing to say, but I I don't know. I think you can make a justification for it having meaning. So let me tell you a little bit about um, what Tal Bachman said was the inspiration for this song. In an interview with MTV News back in 1999, he said, quote, I attempted to bribe the hottest girl in our high school to go out on a date with my stepbrother. This was for his stepbrother's birthday, mind you. Quote, so as the conversation between me and what I thought was this godly exalted woman progressed, I began to feel more and more uncomfortable and awkward. Then he said he was, quote, just kind of being in awe of her. When did he write this song in high school? I don't know if he wrote it in high school, but he was inspired by an experience that he had in high school. Because thinking about what I read of his family history, in 1999, he'd already been married for three years. But he was writing this about a a girl that he wanted his stepbrother to go out with. That's weird. Yeah, it's weird. It is amazing to me how much information is not available on Tal Bachman. Talmadge, Charles, Charles Robert, Robert Bachman. Bachman. Yeah. Are you sure you guys aren't related? Because Charles and Robert are pretty uh, that's prominent. A, that's pretty prominent in prominent our family. In your family. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I am certain that we are not related. Bummer. Um, so Tal Bachman was also famously part of the Church of Latter-day Saints. Yes. Growing up. And after high school, he went on a two-year mission in Argentina, which is when he decided to leave the church because... After all that, he determined that Joseph Smith's writings were all made up. I had slightly different info. Tell me um, tell me about the info you have. So I know that he met his wife when he was 22 and she was 18 and they basically got married right away. Okay. Did you have any of this info? No, I did no, not. Okay. And um, they have eight children together. Uh-huh. In fact, by the time he was in his 20s and he was kind of at the height of his fame, they already had four children. Okay. And now they have another four kids, uh, but unfortunately they're divorced. Part of the, and this is a quote from an article that I read from Vancouver Weekly where Heather Adamson uh, interviewed Tal Bachman in 2016. Um, so her article says that part of the, quote, dissolution of their marriage, right, the um, dissolving of their marriage was right. because... And I'm going to paraphrase what he said. After they both decided to leave the church, he couldn't get her to believe that their love was real without it. Like they tried to work it out, but without the church, she 
I don't know, she didn't see it as real anymore. And that was something that he said in this article written by Heather Adamson, who had interviewed him. So there's a direct quote uh, from him in there. It's from 2016 Vancouver Weekly. Well, I think I think those two bits of information fit together. Sort of mesh together. I'm just yeah. not sure about the timeline there. Maybe he started to question on that mission trip, but like they stayed Mormon for a longer time. It's possible, time than yeah. That. Sure. Is what cuz it seems like into their marriage they were both Mormon still. And he has since been interviewed by both the PBS documentary The Mormons as well as Bill Maher in his Interesting. Yeah, remember that documentary Religious? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, so that's a uh, that's what he said inspired this song. Now, whether or not like so many times it could be a situation where like a record label says like we need you to write a love song. Most famously in the case of your argent My nemesis, nemesis, Sarah Bareilles. And if he's saying like, all right, How dare well, you, by the way? How dare you upset me with a mention of Bareilles? How dare you upset me by telling me you like this garbage song? <laughs> all right, fair enough. Carry on. I didn't mean to interrupt you. So, um, but yeah, it could very well be a situation where they were like, oh, we need to, we need a, a love song as a uh, pop single for this album to lead off this album. And uh, he could have said, all right, well, I'll talk about this uh, girl that I thought was uh, super high. Yeah. Not on drugs. But in life? In life. I don't know. She's super high on life all the time. Well, this kind of takes us into verse two. I want to say before we get into the next verse. Okay. The song doesn't feel like it's actually inspired by a person to me. I think it's another situation that that I'm assuming is the writer of the song is saying like, all right, what's my ideal girl like? Sure. And that's it. It's drivelly garbage. It's a bunch of like, I'm going to use the word pablum again. It's okay. just nonsense, you know? I wouldn't say it's nonsense because it's it not makes nonsense, sense. But it is just it's tri- throwaway garbage lyrics. It. I agree with you. It doesn't feel like it's about a real yeah. person. Because if it was about a real person, there would be some more specificity to exactly. it. But it's just like a string of generalizations. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is this could be a song about anyone, to be honest. Sure. Like, so. absolutely. Um, Except for Aphrodite, it doesn't work for her. It doesn't work for Aphrodite, unless he's singing specifically about Cleopatra or Joan of Arc. I just thought of one way Aphrodite works. Okay. Oh, damn it! You should be very upset with yourself. It's, it's a stretch, though. Go for it. He's saying in the first verse that this woman or this girl is real, right? She's blood and flesh and bone, right? But. By the second verse, which we're going to get into in a second, even though she's real, he like can't believe that she's real or can't believe that he could ever be good enough for her. I mean, that's even indicated in the she's so high, high above me. So the only way that Aphrodite works is that she is a deity who would be obviously out of the reach of just a mere mortal. Okay. Um, that is a total stretch, though. Rounding out verse one. Can I throw the last thing, like in four lines, the last thing? Oh, we almost forgot to talk about something. I'm sure you're going to mention it now. Go ahead. Uh, The rhyme of happen and happen. No, that's not what I was going to talk about. But yes, I agree with you that that's silly. Somehow I can't believe that anything should happen. (laughs) Not could happen. Right. Like normal humans say. Right. (laughs) I don't even believe that it should. No. I know where I belong and nothing's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. So the, the happen and happen, that's lazy songwriting. That's churned that out garbage in 15 minutes right there. Should versus could is also crazy too. Yeah. Because it's not like I don't believe that this is possible. Anything should happen. It's like I don't even believe that this is a good idea. Yeah. Ugh. Um, my, and you like this song. 
yeah and you know what i'm still going yeah. to like it you're right i am um, i'm looking at the last line i know where i belong where where do you belong we get nothing of we that get, from the song there's no payoff at all i know where i belong and nothing's gonna happen i mean it's a real like poor me kind i of don't want to spoil the next verse but he belongs in low society i guess so she's touch smell sight taste and sound but somehow i can't Anything should happen. So. Should I read the second verse? Yeah, with that, why don't you uh, why don't you read verse two for us? You got it. First class and fancy free. She's high society. She's got the best of everything. What could a guy like me ever really offer? She's perfect as she can be. Why should I even bother? Aha. All right. This uh-huh. is a this is a lazily written song. This is like James Blunt levels of laziness. No, how dare you? I yes, I stand by that. The song is more upbeat and it's got a better pop rock sound to it. It is way less But the less lyrics pretentious. are as lazily written oh, as James Blunt's I You're Beautiful. I'm standing by that. All right. Well, I don't know. I'd have to go back and really look at your beautiful again. Oh, you should listen. I was, so I was re-listening to some of our old episodes this past week just to kind of like compare. And I got to say, I'm like, I'm very proud of the progress we've made. Way to go, so, us. So way to go, us. I'm going to go back and re-listen to the James Blunt episode. Okay. And then we'll, I, we'll do a little. I could just re-read the lyrics, but I'm going to be egotistical and listen to my own episode again. Just um, to compare laziness. Hey, and then you and I can have a chat, not on microphones, I guess, about what we think about the two songs in comparison be, with one another. It's going to be weird to have a, a chat not on microphones. I know. We just don't yeah. speak at all So without microphones. Uh, tell us about verse two. Okay, so this is where it goes a little bit off the rails for A little me. bit. Just a little bit. In the first verse, I can buy it, right? Like, she's... Even though she's a real woman, he's intimidated by her. And fine. I'm fine with that in the first verse. But now we get into this really ridiculous, like crazy putting a woman on a pedestal kind of business that gets kind of icky. Like, first of all, who says she's fancy free? That's silly. That's, like, are you like, my grandfather? Yeah, I was going to say, is this a lyric from the 1930s? Yeah. Oh, look at her. She's footloose and she's fancy free. Say we're going to Charleston or something. And then it gets to a place where the the speaker here really doesn't even acknowledge the fact that he's talking about a real human being anymore. <laughs> we can't say something like she's got the best of everything. You don't know her. But she's high society. All. She's obviously like a rich lady. But that's just full of assumptions and malarkey. Like, that's, <laughs> that's really... Are you criticizing the use of the phrase fancy free? I'll do what I want. <laughs> And now say malarkey. I'm bringing it back. Hashtag bringing back malarkey. Oh I'm hashtagging my own conversation today. You are trying today. harder, Katie. <laughs> I am trying harder. I'm trying harder than this. Well, that's not saying a whole lot. I think fancy free is just silly. Yeah. I think she's high society is just silly. But I think she's got the best of everything is worse than just silly. It's a denial of the fact that the person the song is about is a human being. I think it, it, it sounds like a very like 
Aladdin and Jasmine comparison to me. She's so wealthy and rich, and she's from royalty, or she's from high society. Yeah, but Aladdin goes after it anyway. Aladdin goes after it anyway. Meanwhile, Talmadge Charles Robert Bachman, <laughs> which I'm going to struggle to say every single time, but says, like, what could a guy like me ever really offer? But, dude... He's a legacy rock star. His, right, his father dad. was in two classic rock bands. What right? is it called? Bachman Turner, Turner Overdrive. Overdrive. And there's another one. I don't know. The Guess Who. Yeah, of course. The Guess Who. So, I have it written down. I still can't remember. I'm not at all surprised by that. No one is surprised. What What could a guy like him ever really offer? Probably an indoor pool. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Their own island in the in the in the Maldives. Maybe not I, an like, island. I don't maybe know. Not a, I don't what? know. The Canadian currency goes a long uh, way. A so. fully paid for new car yeah, or house. Seriously. Like, they got some a stuff larger going on. glass of water for her to dive into. Seriously, like, she could dive into a swimming pool and yeah. then have to have that tiny glass of water she murdered a child for. And what I oh I can't <laughs> wait, Katie Katie, I cannot wait to discuss murdering that child. In the video, yes. Yes. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what bugs me about this verse is the way Tal Bachman sings when it gets later in the verse and he uh, really needs to just ramp it up and he really needs to go full Bachman there. He, I have to tell you, this is my favorite verse to sing along to in the car with you. Yeah, because... Because you just go for it And with then the I spend five minutes coughing because yeah. I can't do that voice. Yeah, they're really awesome. <laughs> it's so crazy. <laughs> and then he goes, she's perfect and she can't be. It's, oh. That's... Should I even bother? I want, to, <laughs> I want to apologize to everybody for making that noise at them. Whew. I got in on it. Oh, I man. got right in there. You did a much better job than I did. Oh, oh and thank I can't you. Breathe. Don't let it go to your head. All right. <laughs> I'm going to have a whole career out of my uh, Tal Bachman voice. Yeah, I think, well, Tal Bachman didn't have a whole career Shit. out of his voice. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon my French. <laughs> oh. discuss verse three sure let's go for it all right i i'm gonna be honest i i've heard this song a hundred thousand times and i forgot there was a third verse to it i did too yeah uh no bridge just a guitar solo is it a good guitar solo no it's it's adequate at best i mean it it does what a guitar solo is supposed to do which is eat up time in a pop song so so let me read these deep 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 lyrics i'm ready she comes, oh, and then he goes back to his weird, like... Total weird voice. She comes to speak to... I can't even do that. She comes to speak to me. I freeze immediately. Because what she says sounds so unreal. Because somehow I can't believe that anything should happen. Should. I know where I belong and nothing's going to happen. And it doesn't have it written down there, but then, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) God, I hate that Bachman voice. I hate it. It grates on me. Two out of five of those lines are just exactly the same as the first verse. Yeah. And that's a pattern we see in a lot of the songs that we look at where songwriters just bring back lines, but it doesn't feel like it's for meaningful repetition. It feels like it's just because they didn't want to think of something else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's not to hammer in a point. Yeah. 
Um, Because there's meaningful repetition that can be great and an an excellent device in you know uh, storytelling or poetry writing or songwriting. But sometimes it's like I don't know. Let's just repeat that thing from before because I don't have any more lines to say. uh, I could be wrong about this. Mm -hmm. It might just be based on years of hating and making fun of this song. Sure. But I believe he says, somehow I can't believe. <laughs> I think you're right. Somehow I can't believe anything should happen. It, it's, his, uh, it's yeah, so, it's weird. No human being sounds like that. It's not any distinct accent that I'm familiar no, with. No, he's an alien who's trying to <gasps> speak human. That's what it is. And That's, I don't mean just, like like from another country because he's Canadian alien. I mean, mean like, like outer planet. space, absolutely ancient alien style. Oh my God, Brad, he's an ancient alien. He's not an ancient alien. He is. He's an ancient alien. Well, and maybe he knew Aphrodite. I don't know. <laughs> like this, that. What? <laughs> That's it. He knew he, all these women because he's an ancient yeah. alien. He he built the pyramids, and now sure. he did this song, and it was like the first time an ancient alien had failed at anything. It was crazy. Well, we cracked it. We have put this uh, this song to bed. Yeah, yeah. we know it now. Um, can not we really. please talk about the video now? I'm um, done with I'm done with the lyrics. I need to move on to the video. Yeah, let's talk about the video because it's crazy. All right. Start saying what you want to say. It's so literal with this woman with wings. Yeah. You know, like she's walking down the street and she like is dressed. That's why I think she's super high. She's dressed totally normally. All of a sudden she takes off her coat and her scarf. Her little white wings emerge and it gets back to this like ladies are angels nonsense. Well, I'm the, tired uh, of ladies what is having the, wings. the trope? It's the the like manic pixie dream girl yeah trope yeah, yeah totally and she's dressed as like a, a steampunk angel right and i don't know where the hat and the aviator goggles even come from they just she had appear. those in her in her peacoat yeah, they just like appear she had the huge balance pole thing Ugh. in her peacoat too <laughs> so that she could walk a, a tightrope yeah insanity it's right. absolute craziness and even if i like the song i cannot stand by this video okay that's all that's all good and fine because it was the late 90s but can we discuss how it's about murdering a girl uh and thievery so okay so let's walk through this manic pixie dreams girl dream girl manic pixie dream girl yes so there's this creepy ass clown walking around the streets like pennywise's dumb brother or something (laughs) yeah exactly his like dumpy brother dumpy brother fat clown like which is super creepy Arguably creepier than, well, the very least, the original Pennywise. Sure. Um, Tim Curry. I don't know. I disagree, but that's okay. Neither <laughs> he, here nor there. just missing teeth is really what it is. She steals his balloons, which are presumably his only means of income. He's like probably on his way to a job. Yeah. Why else would this man be walking down the street with a this guy's huge thing of balloons? playing at some birthday party. In full costume and makeup. Yeah. You know, trying to make his $40 an hour, whatever clowns get paid. <laughs> you have no idea. I have no <laughs> idea. It's probably more than that. I hope it's more. It is. Think of like you're booking a private event oh, yeah. for a birthday party. So, I'm saying he's making about like $500. He works hard for his money yeah. and he doesn't need to have his balloon stolen. Now, what is he going to do? Say a uh, pixie angel fairy that was like, stole yeah, my that balloons? That was like 15 more dollars that he could have had. Yeah. You know, selling those balloons to parents at a birthday he party. He doesn't have more time to pick up balloons on his way to his job so she steals these balloons mm-hmm. the sole source of income for this clown sure hands it off to a little girl who's what about six, six years, years old? old yeah steals her glass of water 
and just lets this girl fly off into the atmosphere. And smiles about it. She's so happy about murdering this child. And we never see that little girl no. again. The girl's just like, I have a thousand balloons. I'm going to have a grand old day. I don't need that water that I'm carrying around in a glass outside but without actually, a Actually, we watched it twice. And I really watched closely for this. She doesn't, like, indicate that she's asking for the little girl's water. (laughs) And the little girl doesn't indicate she wants the balloons. So the angel fairy just, like, puts the balloons in the little girl's hands and then just snatches the water away as if it's a fair trade. And the little girl starts to just float into the atmosphere, sort of confused looking. And she waves, but not like a a smiley wave. It's definitely a a, help me for the love of God, help me. I want to have a family wave. Yeah. Wave. And then she flies above like the the skyline. Yeah. And like horrible CGI. Horrible CGI. And Remarkably then Angel dated. Fairy, there's just a big close-up on her face. Is that who you're calling the main character is the Angel Fairy? Yeah. Okay. Whatever she is. That's fine. I just Aviator want to make sure I know lady, who we're talking Angel about. Angel Fairy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she's just like smiling like she did the best thing in the world for this kid. It's nonsense. Why did she even need the balloons in the first place? Like I had this whole other thought about, is she psychic or something? Like how did this whole plan come together? So I have a theory. Okay. So this all came together because she had been plotting the perfect murder. Right? So she goes through this whole thing to kill this girl, happens upon this girl's little glass of water and says, okay, well, I'm going to just walk this tightrope outside of some apartment in, I'm assuming, French Canada. And the public is so enamored by her and her balancing on the tightrope and her jumping into a little teeny tiny glass of water that she leaves the crazy straw in, by the way. Yeah. I would be terrified that that's going right in my eye. How do you not get impaled right in my on the crazy straw? Like a grape just going right through. Yeah. Gross. And they're so enamored by this that they totally forget that this murder just happened. There's a dead child now. It's the perfect crime. So do you think even the um, diving into the glass of water was planned as a distraction tactic so she could get away with her uh, I think she was planning on walking on the tightrope I think she was planning on walking on the tightrope that water was just you know lucky a lucky break so she'd been stalking this clown and his like trek to work with his balloons for weeks and she, knew where I, he would be. She may have known this guy. Yeah, maybe. So Maybe the clown's um, in on it. Maybe we shouldn't even feel bad for him. I don't think the clown's in on it. Okay, I'll take it back then. Uh, Clearly, the other theories all make sense, but this <laughs> is the one that doesn't work. So, uh, that's the batshit nutso video. So, Kurt Nilsson, a Norwegian artist, covered this song. Okay. It went to number one and became Norway's best-selling single ever. That's crazy. So uh, when we wrap this up, I want to listen to the Kurt Nilsson cover of it. I'm I'm, into it. I'm sure is the exact same as this. Like there's maybe just like a more modern production of it. Do you want to know what I found out about what Tal Bachman's up to now? Yeah, please. So this Heather Adamson article that I referenced earlier is titled Tal Bachman Uncertain About How to Make His Mark Again. And it's like I said before from 2016. Basically, he did this really intimate small show in Vancouver for 40 people. Okay. And it was the first time he had appeared live since 2011. In 2011... He played with uh, Taylor Swift. Yep. He did a live appearance with T-Swift and he hadn't played really at all since then. And afterwards... um, this interview took place like right after this performance, which Adminson thought was 
fantastic. Like all she wanted was for Tal Bachman to say, I'm going to make music again. Okay. That is not what he intends to do, uh-huh. really. And that is certainly not what he's been up to. Okay. So she said, you know, you've barely been playing. You've clearly been writing because you played all these new songs. What have you been up to? And he said, the creation of a fictional rock icon named Ian Starglow and the writing of a, quote, pilot for a false reality program based on Starglow's life, end quote. Holy shit. <laughs> what? Wait. <laughs> When was this? 2016. This was in 2016. In 2016, he said what he's been up to is the creation of a fictional rock icon character named Ian Starglow. And with that character, Ian Starglow, he, Tal Bachman, I'm assuming he's going to star in the pilot. He is writing a pilot for a, quote, false reality program based on Starglow's life, end quote. Oh, <laughs> and I've been waiting like an hour and a half to tell you that. You know what? I'm all for ambition, but I'm not going to pay any attention it to that. That's a- never going to come to fruition. I don't think that like no offense, Talmadge, but I don't think this is going to be your, you know, your your swan song here. It's kind of a bummer um, oh, in no, a way. No, no, no. That, no. Let me tell but, you why. Oh. So reading this interview... He actually comes across as so super likable. He just comes across as the most likable guy. Right. And when Admonson was like, well, why are you putting all of your attention into that when, you know, you're a great songwriter and you've had a lot of success before and look at the great feelings that you left these people who are in the crowd tonight with. Why are you going to go and make up some fictional character when you could be working on you and your own work? And he said, quote, so this is a Bachman quote, no one is interested in my new music. People are much more interested in the fake person I made up than they are about me. Ouch. I've just felt a lot of, I felt some sympathy for him there. Well, I still don't want, what is the name of this character? I, I mean, I don't want to watch a TV show about Ian Starglow. Ian let's be Starglow. Really, let's be so clear about that. Can we talk about that? Like just awful names that people give fictional characters for yes. a second? Because I'm thinking about Jim Steinman's Bad Out of Hell rock opera. Oh, what was the name? It was His crazy. name is like Strat. It's like. <laughs> it's so literal. It's seriously just bad. Yes. Uh. I can't put into words why it's bad, but it's bad. Like Luke Skywalker's original name was Luke Starkiller. A Skywalker is literal enough as yeah, it is. Exactly. Starkiller is ridiculous. You can't put into words why Strat is a bad name. Not Strat. It's a Skyglow. Starglow. Star a rock icon named Starglow. It's bad because it's too literal. You're literally a That's rock like- star glowing in the public eye. Come on, give me a break. Now listen. Maybe it works in the same way that, like, Ziggy Stardust works. That's wackadoodle. That's not... That's intentionally over-the-top wackadoodle. Maybe this is, too. I don't know. I haven't read the pilot. That's what I'm wondering. I don't want to read the pilot. I kind of do. Can we talk about uh, Talmadge Bachman being on TV? He was on that... uh, He was referenced on that Netflix show, Girl Boss. 
there was a quick joke about him. I totally forgot that. At one point, like the love interest. I only watched this when you had it on, so I only saw it in the background. I don't know the characters' names. How did you even remember Because this? I remember a tall Bachman joke, girl. <laughs> I remember a tall Bachman joke, All right, girl. lay it on me. Uh, they were talking about Bachman-Turner Overdrive, and at one point, the love interest said, like, oh, I ran into tall Bachman, and I asked him if he was going to do anything after she's so high, and he said no. <laughs> and that's the entire joke. Like, I love it. So... I love it. Do you have anything else to uh, say about She's So High? I would listen to it with the windows down, with the volume turned up. I would sing along at the top of my lungs. But if you asked me to grade it, I'd only give it like a C plus. I would definitely listen to it with the windows down, top of my lungs, and I would overact every, and I would oversing. Every oversung word. I would undersing those like weird muted whispering bits. It's so does. much it's, fun. Oh, it is a lot of fun to make fun of. I don't care what anyone says about this song. Tal Bachman's She's So High has brought me so much joy that lame or not lame, trite or not trite, I like it and I don't care and I congratulate him on it. Katie, if I somehow can find the CD in my CD book, would you listen to it? Sure. The whole CD? Yeah, I'd listen to the whole okay. CD. All right, great. I don't know that I'd like the whole CD, but I'd listen. Before I wrap it up, can I just... uh? Talk about the Potter and Madness tournament that's going on. Yes. So I don't know what it is. It is like a March Madness style podcast tournament. Yeah. I don't know what we win. I don't think we win anything except uh, admiration. Okay. I don't like the idea that we are competing against other independent podcasts. I love it. I love competing for stuff. You do love competing. I want to win. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) But... uh, some some of these podcasts get a lot more votes than than our first one did. We've only made it through round one, which we won, which was yeah. awesome. Thank you guys for thanks everybody who voting voted for us. And let's just see how it goes. Yeah. So check out Potter Madness on Twitter. So it's hashtag Potter Madness, and it's kind of connected to the hashtag Potter family. <clears throat> I don't really know anything else it's about also how it's put together. At Potter Madness is the Twitter user who puts all this stuff together. Cool. So uh, we're in round two. Okay, so we're competing against uh, the Signal 42. The Signal 42. Which is a podcast. I can't really tell. We should check that out and just see uh, what it's about. about. But we should listen to it. And I would encourage all of you to listen to it also so you can uh, have a fair vote. Right, but really vote for us. I mean, uh, Brad well, is yeah. saying be fair, but I'm saying just vote for us, okay? We're pretty awesome. You're obviously listening. You're obviously enjoying it. We've been with you for a year. You know, you owe us a vote is what <laughs> I'm saying. I'm saying you owe us a vote. It's I'm the saying, least you could do. I'm saying I don't care, but I care. Yeah, we both so. obviously care. Brad's trying to play it cool, but I play to win. Because I'm cool, bro. Uh, I also want to thank people that supported my stand-up comedy last week yeah that's the worst it's gonna get and it can only get better from here and it was fun it was fun because somehow i can't believe that anything should happen i know where i belong and nothing's gonna happen 
Thank you guys very much for listening. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, song suggestions, please reach out to us. Our email address is decompositionpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at decomp underscore pod, Instagram and Facebook, Decomposition Podcast. Check out our Patreon page. Uh, throw us a buck or two each month. Get some great rewards with that. Patreon.com slash decompositionpod. And now in addition to iTunes and Google Play, you can also listen to us on Spotify. Spotify and all those other podcast apps too, obviously. All right. And with that, thank you very much. And you guys just chill till the next episode. Roll it.